The subject matter contained in this presentation is based on biblical principles and designed to give you accurate and authoritative information with regard to the subject matter covered. It is provided with the understanding that neither the presenter nor the broadcaster is engaged to render legal, accounting, or other professional advice. Since your situation is fact-dependent, you may wish to additionally seek the services of an appropriately licensed legal, accounting, real estate, or investment professional. No one can serve two masters. He will either hate the one and love the other, or be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you shall eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food, and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds in the sky. They do not sow or reap. They gather nothing into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are not you more important than they? Can any of you by worrying add a single moment to your lifespan? Why are you anxious about clothes? Learn from the way the wildflowers grow. They do not work or spin, but I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was clothed like one of them. If God so clothes the grass of the field, which grows today and is thrown into the oven tomorrow, will he not much more provide for you, O oh, you of little faith? So do not worry and say, What are we to eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what are we to wear? All these things the pagans seek. Your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be given you besides. Do not worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow will take care of itself. Sufficient for a day is its own evil. This is Radio Wave Medjinomics with your host, a friend of Medjugorje. I decided to look at the Bible this morning and see what the last verses was of the Old Testament. What would God put there in the last words of the Bible in preparation for the New Testament? In Malachi, right at the end, it says, And the day that is coming will set them afire, leaving them neither root nor branch. Contemplate that. I would got in Malachi with that, the Old Testament. I already said on April 2nd, 2018, you must be united to the fellowship arising from my son. Just after the verse, leaving them neither root nor branch, Malachi continues, it says, but you who fear my name, there will arise the son of justice with his healing rays. And a lady, be united to the fellowship rising from my son. That's the literal translation of a lady's message just a few days ago. What should we think of this verse saying, Arise, the son, 
Analeus and fellowship arising from my son, except we're to have the fear of the Lord in us. Because we're in a time that there is a day that's coming and we'll set on fire, leaving them neither root nor branch. We're in a situation today that is growing in our hearts more alarm. On June 2nd, 2017, our lady said, My children, be ready. This time is a turning point. So the book of Malachi speaks about a time's coming that will set a fire. Our lady's here to set a fire. And she tells us, just fresh a few days ago, Arise with my son. Do we have the fear of God in us to begin thinking what is going to happen in the future? When things happen, and after they happen, people often say to themselves, I should have saw it coming. I remember this happened, this happened. I should have noticed that. In 1929, there was plenty of signs of what was going to happen in the crash. We have so many things that show us, but we think, okay, we got tomorrow. Our lady says, don't wait for tomorrow. She says, dear children, today. Dear children, today. That means I want you to put this message into practice now. Do not delay one day. Don't act on something next month or next week or tomorrow. You don't know if you have a tomorrow. And there's going to be one day that comes up that tomorrow we're going to see a crash unlike anything we've ever seen. She's prepping us. For the turning point, radical turning point of the direction of the world. She's not here not to have that fulfilled. And as we know at the wedding feast of Cana, who gets their way? Did Jesus get his way? He told his mother, woman, my time's not yet come. And then we're reading scriptures. He's making wine. She gets what she wants. And she wants us to be ready for a turning point. Are you getting ready? Are you contemplating these things? There is what's known as a negative wealth shock, a sudden loss of wealth. This has been under study. According to a study from Northwest University and the University of Michigan, those people who have experienced a negative wealth shock, because a wealth shock could be winning the lottery, a negative wealth shock can be losing everything. But it shows the increase after this wealth shock happens in a negative form where you lost your wealth. There's a 50% higher chance of dying after suffering something like this. If you've lost your house, it's even more risky for the longevity of your life. The report shows a sharp decline in net worth can also take a toll on your mental health. You might say, okay, yeah, that's probably true. We can reason it out. We don't need a study. But that health that talks about failing includes depression, substance abuse, long-term health problems, even taking one's own life, who otherwise would never do such a thing, according to the research. A sudden loss of wealth is long-lasting. You may think you get over it, but yet this research shows it has a considerable effect on one's life. A wealth shock like this increases your chances of risk of death in a way that it takes two years or more to fully realize the consequences. 
And so our read today is about this and the dangers of it. We've seen this happen in 2007, 2008, on to 2012, where many people went through a catastrophic shock loss, and the results now are coming out. This is entitled, Midlife Wealth Shock May Lead to Death, Study Suggests. A big financial loss may shorten your life, a new study suggests. Middle-aged Americans who experienced a sudden, large economic blow were more likely to die during the following years than those who didn't. The heightened danger of death after a devastating loss, which researchers called a wealth shock, crossed socioeconomic lines affecting people no matter how much money they had to start. The analysis of nearly 9,000 people's experiences underscores well-known connections between money and well-being, with prior studies linking lower incomes and rising income inequality with more chronic disease and shorter life expectancy. This is really a story about everybody, said lead researcher Lindsay Poole of Northwestern University's Medical School. Overall, wealth shock was tied with a 50% greater risk of dying. Researchers analyzed two decades of data from the Health and Retirement Study, which checks in every other year with a group of people in their 50s and 60s and keeps track of who dies. The study had a wealth shock, which researchers defined as a loss of 75% or more in net worth over two years. The average loss was about $100,000. That could include a drop in the value of investments or realized losses like a home foreclosure. Some shocks happened during the Great Recession of 2007 to 2009. Others happened before or after. No matter what was going on in the greater U.S. economy, a wealth shock still increased the chance of dying. Women were more likely than men to have a wealth shock. Once they did, their increased chance of dying was about the same as the increase for men. Researchers adjusted for marital changes, unemployment, and health status. They still saw the connection between financial crisis and death. The effect was more marked. The person lost a home as part of the wealth shock, and it was more pronounced for people with fewer assets. The findings suggest a wealth shock is as dangerous as a new diagnosis of heart disease. We should be doing everything we can to prevent people from experiencing wealth shocks, said Dr. Stephen Wolf, director of the Virginia Commonwealth University Center on Society and Health. I've got a critical question to ask you. Before I ask you that, I want to remind you, we had people calling in 2008, 2007, 2009, all that period, where they lost half their 401k. People from now are saying, it's not a 401k, it's a 201k, because it cut in half, even more than that, 75%. And we talked years ago about the man who called in who was one of our followers. His wife was very upset because he had been crying all night because the husband worked his whole life and put a little nest egg away of $300,000. And overnight, it was below 150000 And she was very concerned for him and his depression. And you should be. What was just read was saying 
the average was $100,000. That's not a lot of money. But it's a lot for somebody who's put away for their whole life. But it doesn't matter if you have $10 million. This research shows that if they lost half their wealth, they also have suffering and difficulties in their health, even with their left with wealth, because they lost so much. Why do you put your wealth in a position that you can take such a loss? Because we're all conditioned. Invest in stock markets. Invest in this. Money wasn't given to us for the purpose of just making money on money. You may can have a company. You can do other things. But we have people saying, build portfolios, diversify, do this, do that. And it's very risky. No, it's not very risky. It is risky. And it will fall. So the question I want to pose to you, a critical question, suppose tomorrow, like in 2007, 2008, whenever it hit, I think it was on a Monday because it came to the weekend, we heard of the bank crash. We had a friend who called us and says, I've been keeping up with the banking industry. He told us about a month before. It's very scary right now. He says, everybody needs to be watching if they got money in the bank. They saw it coming. We can see it coming down to the message. Be ready for the turning point. Something's going to happen. What can affect the whole world? A financial crash. Is it going to happen? Yes, we know it's going to happen because Allah says everything's passing. Everything is falling apart. Only the glory of God remains. You're hearing me say that as a mantra because you need to be saying it as your short prayer. Mary, I know everything's passing. Mary, my mother, I know everything's falling apart. Mary, I know that only your son is going to arise because whatever glorified God's remains. You need to position yourself financially, physically, spiritually, that everything you're touching, everything you're working, and what you do is glorifying God because it's the only thing that will remain. And there comes a cleansing. It's going to come. And that day that is coming will set them afire, leaving them neither root nor branch, says the Lord. But for you who fear my name, for you who follow the messages, I told you April 2nd, be united in fellowship arising from my son. It's in the scriptures, she says. Go to the scriptures. And what does it say? There will arise a son of justice. Why? Because we're under judgment. Justice is coming to the world and will bring us back to God and it's going to bring us closer to the soil. So that question is, if it crashes tomorrow, where is your money? What have you done with it? And what will happen to it? I'm not talking about a 2008 crash. I'm not even talking about a 1929 crash. I'm talking about a complete meltdown, a complete disappearing of everything, financial. So what would you do in the first hour of that? Put yourself in this position. Contemplate this in the next days. Our government is $20 trillion in debt. In the 2000 crash, people lost $2.4 trillion of their 401ks, their investments, and their savings. You've heard me say it. The banks were bailed out by the government the first time in that crash. In the next crash, your savings and your investments will bail out the banks because they never fail. They're never going to get away because they're in control of it. How? To the central bank, the Federal Reserve. The Federal Reserve is not the United States government. 
the Federal Reserve is set aside from the government and it gives the government the money. It is above the government. You need to wake up because in an hour and you're in a subdivision, everything crashes, the infrastructure crashes, trucking crashes, shipping things over containers crash because of the meltdown and there's a rush on goods and services, but the cash is worthless. There's no infrastructure there. Where are you going to get water within an hour? What about three hours later? Do you have access to water? We'll get city water. I just got to reading about a city. It's a major city like Istanbul or someplace. I can't remember what, what city it was. They said they're the first city in the world that is about to lose the water. They're warning the citizens, I think it's like 4 million people, that you have to start now rationing your use of water because it's going to run out, and they already have set up 200 locations where they're going to be giving water because the city supply, the reservoirs they have are so empty, they're not being replenished. Can you imagine 4 million people looking for water at 200 different locations? What are you going to do? You can always do this and do that. You think, really? Don't depend on the water system that we have grown to be dependent on the last 150 years. Just that one thing, go through day one, day two, day three. What are you going to do? Need to do the dishes? Need to cook a meal? How involved will it be just to cook a meal? Simple, far more complex. What if you're toiling this all day and you come in? Is it going to be like in your office? Are you going to be sweaty? Are you going to want a cool glass of water? Want to wash up and get clean? You got to work more to get clean. Haul the water. Think about that. What does a bucket of water weigh? Injuries. What about accidents? It happens. Sickness, flu, all these things that come upon you. It's not going to be simple. You say, well, I got a creek. Well, you're blessed. But most of the people aren't in proximity of that. In Manhattan, New York, they have, I think it's like six 10-foot pipes, piping water in there every day. There's plenty of water in Manhattan. But how are the workers and the infrastructure going to keep it running? It's not that the water's not there. The transportation is not going to be there. you got to penetrate and walk yourself in your imagination that you don't have enough how bad it's going to be to place yourself in day three. And you're hungry. Well, I'll just go buy farm animals. You don't have the cash. It's worthless. And even if you have gold and silver, you think a family that's got a milk cow is going to sell it to you? It's going to be worth more than gold. You have to enter into these things and contemplate how good we have it. I know I had a book once about the Great Depression. It said, when the banks closed, our hearts opened up. But see, more than 90% of the people in the United States of America was on farms or on land or had the gardens. Even the Italians in New York could raise rabbits in the backyard and have something to eat. The difference from then to now is it's only like 2%, last I checked, or own a green way of life. This is catastrophic. We're not close to the soil. What do you do when you have an unexpected fire? You can put it out? You can call the fire department? You want to make a garden and feed your family? Go back to the water problem. Maria said it was so torturous carrying water by the bucket in the hot sun to keep the tobacco alive because they had to grow tobacco crop to have some kind of cash flow. It was augurous. So you say, yeah, I'll have a cow. So where are you going to get the water to feed it? Not everybody's going to have that access to it. 
and just the simple things, brushing your teeth. The list can go on and on. But if you don't evaluate the times we're in and what all they said, we're at a turning point, you'll never contemplate these things. And you need to be that because it's a motivator to get out there and change your situation. Otherwise, you'll think, well, I got tomorrow, I got tomorrow. Tomorrow will be one day away the day before things happen. One thing that depression did in 1929, it actually drew people together. Families, love of country, all those things actually was a benefit. And that's the purpose of it. Because the Dust Bowl came at that time, and it was a form of chastisement back then. The problem today is those quotes of percentages I told you most of America was rural. They had the means to take care of themselves. And even those in the cities, what I said about the Italians, had the little gardens. You're in your fine suburban neighborhoods. And don't think you can just learn this overnight. You won't think we're headed for trouble if you don't pause and contemplate. Your branch will be dry and you'll be rootless. So we have this situation that is going to cause deep, deep depression. And not only deep depression, but despair. That's our next read. Recession linked to more than 10,000 deaths. The Great Recession that began in 2007 appears to have taken more than a financial toll. New research suggests that the economic downturn could be linked with more than 10,000 who ended their own lives across North America and Europe. The study found that between 2008 and 2010, rates for these deaths surged in the European Union Canada and the United States. The increase was four times higher among men than women, according to the report published in the current issue of British Journal Psychiatry. There has been a substantial rise in these numbers during the recession, greater than we would have anticipated based on previous trends, said lead author Dr. Aaron Reeves of Oxford University's Department of Sociology in a university news release. In conducting the study, researchers from the University of Oxford and the London School of Hygiene and Tropical Medicine examined this information for the World Health Organization. The data included 24 countries in the European Union as well as Canada and the United States. According to the study authors, these figures are conservative estimates. They said that the actual number of those who end their own lives since the recession hit are likely much greater than expected. During a recession, some key risk factors of these deaths may include job loss, home repossession, and debt. Most of these deaths involve people with clinical depression, the report noted. However, Reeves and colleagues explain the differences In these rates of deaths between countries affected by the same recession suggests that those who ended their own lives during an economic slowdown are avoidable. Countries that implement employment assistance programs may be able to reduce the risks, the researchers noted. They estimated that for every 100 Dollars per person spent on programs offering help to the unemployed, the risk of those who would end their own lives falls by 0.4%. A critical question 
for policy and psychiatric practice is whether these deaths risks are inevitable. They just said they're avoidable. How do you avoid that? That's what Metronomics was designed for, to show you what to do. The number one thing is have a way of life. You have your animals, you have your ground, your land, and all those things, but you can't do that today. What you can do is transfer your wealth into something that won't disappear. And that's the immediate thing you have to do. But in the event of a crash, nobody's even going to take your silver or your gold because the price of the cow is invaluable when there's no other food source to eat or have milk or chickens for eggs. One thing God's going to bring us back down to is the green way of life. That's where the direction of the world is. That's the turning point. That's what's going to happen. Your first step is not to stay in the stock markets. The stock markets, in one flash, you've seen it. It dropped recently 1,600 points, and then it comes back up. And you want to stay in these things? Well, I can make money, or I lost money. Yeah, you're not going to make money on silver. That's not what it's about. You're going to preserve your wealth. Stock markets doesn't preserve your wealth. You want to keep doing that? You'll be one of these statistics. This is real stuff. You say, well, I escaped. It wasn't hurt during the last recession. But this next one and what's coming and what the turning point is, it will affect everybody. And when we start looking into this about this shock wealth negative, there's all kinds of studies out there. Another study from the New School of Social Research used data from males and females who were between ages 51 and 59 in 2009. They looked at this group because being near the end of their careers, they were presumably some of the most motivated savers. And they thought this group of people would be relatively able to come back from the crash. They did not. In fact, it goes on and says why it's so hard. If someone had $10,000 in 2008 and lost 25% of it, they need a gain of 33% just to stay even. In fact, the research found that the average gain was far smaller than it would have been needed to recover from the steep losses of 2008. They say we found that a significant number of people simply continued to lose money even after the biggest recession-induced drops. So what does this calculate out to? What does it say? You have to have a way of life. It takes a lot of infrastructure. You can't do that immediately. What you can do is preserve your savings, not for an investment, but for preservation. You don't buy a cow and put it in the freezer and expect that to double. The meat you have there is the meat you have. If you got 20 steaks out of that cow, you got 20 steaks. But it's there five months later because you're preserving it. There's a whole different thing in preservation as opposed to trying to do something investing. You will sleep better and have more for the billionaire who has all his investments spread out and stock markets and all these things and it crashes and loses everything that you had $20,000 worth of silver that would have more buying power when the slowly comes back to an economic system of exchange than the billionaire had. You're not buying silver. Of course, we're referencing the miraculous magic we're around. It's for this purpose. Conversion and preservation of the wealth you have. And even if you buy $30 and it drops down to $10 and it's $10 when the crash comes, 
is that ten dollars? Do you know how much that's going to be worth? It may be worth a thousand dollars in purchasing power, because an acre of land that's ten thousand dollars may be not worth one hundred dollars an acre, and maybe one silver piece an acre. Just reason that. Well, everything that you're saying in the broadcast is a trait that I think that if we if we go back to the first message that Our Lady gave you on October the 6th, 1986, where she told you to be a witness with your life. And one of the things that we have seen repeatedly is a care that you have for people's souls, but also their physical well-being as well. And I know that you had this in mind when you wrote the book, It Ain't Gonna Happen, that there was the spiritual aspect and the physical aspect of, as, as a shepherd of souls, to care for people for care to care for their souls for their families but also for their physical well-being and you've said this multiple times that our lady has this in her mind to also be concerned not only for uh, eternal life but also the temporal life that we live right now and i know that that's the reason why you designed the miraculous metal medjugorje silver round it was to for for this purpose was to help people preserve even their temporal means, and at the same time do something spiritual that was going to help them and others spiritually. And so for the Miraculous Medal Medjugorje Silver Round, the spiritual aspect is always the most important, because at the end of everyone's life, you eventually will stand before the judgment seat of God, and how you lived and the things that you did and failed to do will be presented to you. And so those are the things that the repercussions that we bear uh, for eternity, but also there's physical repercussions as well for the way we've lived in our life and how we've handled our wealth or not handled our wealth properly. And so one of the best decisions that one can make is with the Miraculous Medal, Medjugorje Silver Round. And so we have an update here from Century Silver Exchange, which is a for-profit subsidiary of Caritas that has been given the task of distributing the Miraculous Medal, Medjugorje Silver Round, for the purposes of conversion. Speaking of shock wealth uh, loss, we knew a man when we were growing up that we were very close to who at the age of 52 experienced a real severe uh, negative wealth shock. He had two kids that were graduating high school and were about to go into college. Um, He'd been employed at the same company for several years and had put aside uh, and was heavily invested in the stock market with probably close to between $700,000 and $800,000 in his investment portfolio. He was heavily invested in tech stocks, which at that time, you know, experienced a sharp decline around the year 2000. And I know the story about him. He came home from work one day, was very, very distraught because he had just lost his job. And in speaking with this gentleman, he said that he had just lost his job. He didn't know what he was going to do. And he had literally lost about half, a full half of his investment portfolio because of the decline that happened in the year 2000. He was just very depressed, wondering about his future and, and feeling in a lot of ways um, like a financial failure. He, he had let his family down, he had let himself down, and, and really was uncertain about his future. And I say this story because of what a friend of Medjugorje has been saying about the negative wealth shock. And we're coming into a time when uh, we're going to experience something very similar, but probably probably of much greater magnitude. People who have experienced that wealth shock and over time, you know, their portfolios have recovered to a certain degree, and that's the way a lot of people are looking at it. Well, yes, the market goes up, it goes down, but on the whole, it's going up, and I'll recover from that. But what's coming in the future, we just know 
by Our Lady's messages, by what a friend of Medjugorje is saying, by the scriptures, uh, as he mentioned earlier, that for many there will be neither root nor branch left. Many people today are exchanging their paper dollars for physical silver in the miraculous metal Medjugorje round. A gentleman call just the other day said he was cashing out close to his entire 401k, uh, which was nearly uh, $100,000 to put it all in the miraculous metal Medjugorje round. Um, recently had another woman call and she was cashing out her entire 401k as well. There's many people who have themselves on a saving in silver plan where they're purchasing you know, 20 to 30 ounces every month or something like that, doing doing automatic uh, recurring purchases. There's people purchasing, you know, they'll do 10000 a month. But there's just a lot of options available, whether that be a lump sum purchase that you can make or making a physical, just concrete plan for yourself and saying, hey, I'm going to set aside $200 a month or $400 a month and put that into physical silver so that I can have it physically in my hands, or in my home, wherever wherever you decide to store it. I'll add to that that we aren't ready. We've been working our whole life. Our motivation of what we do in our community was not to use the donations to survive on, based in Scripture where St. Paul says, even when I was amongst you, I worked for my own keep. We wanted to provide our own food. We didn't do it to save ourselves. We didn't get our cattle and everything we have and the animals we have for that reason. We did it for a virtuous reason before we even saw these things being said. And now we see you in a better position. But we're not ready if something was to happen tomorrow. We're vulnerable. We're racing to get there, not to save ourselves, but to live close to the soil. Because Alei has said two things. This is a time of grace, which means the time of grace will be over. What's going to happen afterwards? What Revelation says. Do in the green wood what you can do before the dry wood comes. You can do many things now that may take a month, that might take 10 years, or maybe never be achieved. You won't have the resources. You won't have the help. You won't have the ability. And Lord knows what comes from this. Stealing, thieving, murder. Mariana said, regarding the visible sign, for those who are still alive, we're going to see things happen. This is of a biblical nature. But it's man's making to his sin of how he looked at wealth as opposed to a way of life which is real wealth is rich so we encourage this we designed this metal for conversion with Marcus metal we believe strongly in it it is a ministry it is separate from us but we push it and we believe in it and we don't want you to go into it believing that you may not take a loss. Don't worry about what you have to pay for it now. If it's $40 an ounce, and it goes down to $16, don't worry about that. You have what the billionaire don't, if he's not diversified in it. And of course, people like that are putting the money aside. But what are they going to do with it? The ideal thing, and the concept is, is immediately go into protection. But also... Start going into the grand way of life. Don't wait till the crash. It's better to have the animals than the silver, which is a spontaneous thing that needs to be done, is that you preserve it because you don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. Nobody knew the stock market was going to crash after record, after record, after record, 1,600 points. And they play with this thing. They're making money on the crash, buying low, and then let it go back up and do it again. 
Don't let them play with what you have. Preserve what you have. It's logic that you can reason out that losing wealth increases the risk of dying in many ways. The stress that comes from that, the depression, high blood pressure, all of this is supported by previous research. And all of this is heightened in the odds of you dying over a long-term period. It's not like tomorrow you're going to die after you lose everything. You worry and you think, and you start thinking, why didn't I do that? Why, did, why was that so stupid? Why didn't I just put everything in the silver? And I'm not saying to do everything. You need to have cash flow. But you want to have enough there in silver, America's measure go around, that you don't want to lose somewhere else. So everything is out there you invested in. If you don't mind losing it, then keep it there. But you need to know how much you want to have in physical so that you will have some wealth in the long term. Because it's not going to be immediate. When people are thirsty, when people are hungry, they're not even going to take silver because you can't eat that. So again, I want to remind the main point of this is silver is being used. Uh, have you got the latest stats? Some of the latest statistics on silver consumption in regards to industry in particular, but nearly 75% of the world's silver supply is used in industrial applications, different manufacturing of, of products. There's a whole lot of silver in being increasingly used in solar panels, televisions. I mean, let me just interrupt you there. When we started and doing research and it going to happen, 50% of silver being mined was used in these electronics and in the industry. I didn't even know this now has climbed up to 75%. The risk for an individual who's looking to buy silver is just the availability. Is it going to be there in the future physically available? Even if you want it, can you even get it? The mine supply from silver mines is limited. It's not like companies that are mining precious metals can just take a left turn and find a pure silver vein. Silver is often a byproduct of the production of other metals. And so it's not like physical production can just jump right up when in, when individual demand increases. It's really a question of whether or not it will be available. Yeah, again, a point on what you're making. In other words, silver is so small as opposed to go when they find a gold mine or a vein. Silver is so minimal in its price range right now, which is way undervalued because it's suppressed. It's not worth even mining for. So there's limited amount being coming out of the earth because they're actually mining for other things and that's a byproduct and this thing is going to go through the roof in value when things crash there's mining experts out there and, and you hear different um, numbers based on locations in the world and, and what the actual cost is to bring silver out of the ground and different experts today are saying roughly that the cost to bring an ounce of silver out of the ground is over $20, maybe even as much as $25. Current spot price to buy physical silver as of this morning is a little over 17 So what that tells you is you're getting silver for less than in what it takes to just bring it out of the ground and transport it to you physically. It's also very, very important not to buy the lie of purchasing paper in silver and that means, for example, you can, you can purchase silver as a paper transaction that, where you don't physically hold it. You get a certificate that says you own, for example, 100 ounces of silver. What happens in the industry is when you buy that paper in silver, say 100 ounces, for example, there are not 100 ounces of physical silver available for everybody who's made that purchase. It can be as small as 1% to 3%. So if there's a bunch of people, for example, that have contracted and bought paper in silver, 100 ounces a piece or 1,000 or whatever the case may be, 
in the event of a crash, that physical silver is not available. If everybody calls to cash in on that and they want to take physical possession instead of settling in dollars, that that physical silver is simply not there and nobody's going to get anything. And so, listen to these things. This is kind of be a, a depressing broadcast in many ways. But let it be a motivator because if you're even comfortable and you have all the money in the world, the ghost of death is there. And Heidi is a demographer. She says findings are important to research because of the possibility of the future economic problems. She's quoted, if the economy grows more volatile and we face an economic contraction, we could see more people losing wealth and leading to a higher mortality rate. You better believe it would be. In 1929, if you do research, you'll find out people threw themselves out of buildings. Why do you want to be in that risk factor? Because that's part of the judgment of greed that you should be more safe in what you're doing and already seeing the future. Just as one last note, many listeners already know, but we need to mention that Century Silver Exchange is a for-profit subsidiary of Caritas of Birmingham. Uh, it's a separate entity, and any profits that are left over at the end of the year in Century Silver may be made as a dividend distribution to Caritas of Birmingham to help further the mission of Caritas. And a steady increase in the first quarter of 2018 and continuing into April of individuals purchasing silver. A lot of that is a result of the stock market many crashes that have happened over the last several months, but also just a growing awareness and a growing sense that, you know, things are coming unglued, as, as Our Lady said, and as the friend of Medjugorje has talked about, things are crashing, everything is falling apart. If you would like to contact Century Silver Exchange about getting information about the Miraculous Metal Medjugorje round or to make a purchase, you can call Century Silver Exchange at 877-936-7686. And again, that's toll-free, 877-936-7686. Or you can visit the website at CenturySilver.com. Ask yourselves, why did Our Lady say, My children be ready. This time is a turning point. Memorize that statement. And reflect on your life, look at your positions, think about everything, and what Malachi says at the end of the Old Testament. And the day that is coming will set them afire, leaving them neither root nor branch. But for you who fear my name, there will arise the son of justice. And I lay his own words fresh from April 2nd. You must be united in the fellowship arising from my son. We wish you our lady. We love you. Goodbye. The subject matter contained in this presentation is based on biblical principles and designed to give you accurate and authoritative information with regard to the subject matter covered.
It is provided with the understanding that neither the presenter nor the broadcaster is engaged to render legal, accounting, or other professional advice. Since your situation is fact-dependent, you may wish to additionally seek the services of an appropriately licensed legal, accounting, real estate, or investment professional. This ends the Metronomics show with a friend of Medjugorje. To order this show on CD, you can contact Caritas in the U.S. at 205-672-2000. Again, 205 Six seven two two thousand.